Hey y'all, this is the third episode of the Southern Lodge Podcast. Today the guys and I will be discussing the NFL Draft and delivering our own unique mock draft. Also, with this being the off-season of deer hunting, we are going to be discussing various hunting options and our own preferences. So pull up a chair to the fire and welcome to the Southern Lodge. Hey y'all, this is the Southern Lodge Podcast. Today... Aaron, Danny, and myself, we're going to be discussing the draft, which is happening this Thursday and this through this weekend. We're going to uh, give our own little mock draft and uh, see where we differ from the experts or see where we fall along the lines. Aaron being a, um, I guess we'd call it, new to the sports. He, he likes sports, but he doesn't follow the NFL as well. We're going to try to coach him through this draft and not influence him as much, but make sure he, he doesn't make a pick that's too far out of left field. So with that, um, we're going to begin. Uh, we've got the draft order in front of us. We've got a, a few little guidelines to follow, but we're going to go ahead and start the draft with the Cleveland Browns making the first pick. And I will be making that pick, and I'm going to take Josh Allen out of Wyoming. A lot of people think this is pretty much up in the air between Josh Allen and Sam Darnold out of USC. I, for one, think if you're going to take – to me, you would take potential over what Josh Darnold offers. I believe Allen has the bigger body and stronger arm. And if you're going to sit him for a year or two behind Tyrod Taylor, you can develop him and get that accuracy that he may or may not be lacking from college. So I would take potential over a quarterback that this past year at USC did throw more interceptions than he had previously. So with the first pick, I, as a Cleveland Browns GM, take Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Interesting pick. I I agree he's got potential, but I I see a lot of red flags with him and possibly – some Paxton Lynch issues, but we'll see. I'm up two for the New York Giants, and I'm going to make Mr. Michael mad, and I'm going to go Saquon Barkley. I think they go best player available. I think Eli's got a few more years left in him, um, and my honest opinion, they drafted David Webb, I think, last year in the third round. I think it's too early to give up on him. They got too many holes. They don't really have a Dynamic running back. Offensive line needs help. Um, But I think they go best player available, if not trade out of this pick. But we'll see. So the Giants are taking a gamble on whether Eli Manning can become serviceable or if he's going to throw a ton of interceptions and you have no backup. Eli Manning was benched last year with Davis Webb on the bench, and they started Geno Smith. Just throwing that out there. But I I think – I think the biggest issue they have right now is their offensive line. And I don't think – and it's not guard. It's more of the left tackle position. And there's not a left tackle that you take at the number two pick. Um, and so I see more of a best player available, the best player available. And he's probably the number one person on most people's top 100. Uh, You're I mean, right. You're right. So I think that's the route that they're going to go. That's just my opinion. All right. Aaron, what do you have for the New York Jets? Michael, I'm glad you asked. I'm sitting here with my glass of Southern Lodge sweet tea, 
thinking about being the general manager of the Jets, and man, it's the life. It is the life. So since when did Mark Sanchez not be the quarterback of the Jets anymore? Has that been a while? Um, five, five, six years maybe? No, maybe not that long. It's been a couple. It's been a couple. <laughs> yeah, that – that should speak for uh, how unplugged I am for uh, NFL. I watch a lot of college football, so I know a lot of these players that are in the top five for each ranking. And uh, Mike Maylock's uh, top 100, I, I know these names. So that being said, for the Jets, I like Mason Rudolph uh, if he's still available. He's got the build of an NFL quarterback. He's a big guy. Uh has that on-the-field leadership presence, I can see him being successful in the NFL. Wow. Way out of left field. It is the (laughs) shock of the draft. Mel Kuyper Jr. has just fallen out of his chair. He's fired right now. (laughs) Somebody that we have – I've got to go back. We have Mason Rudolph going third overall to the Jets. And what can I just say that that there couldn't be a more Jets move than that. That's a Cleveland move. <laughs> Not a Jets move. Well, the Jets are becoming the new Cleveland now, so all right, I've got a I've got a hunt down. I've got the top 100 prospects from Mike Mayock and um I'm going to try and find Mason Rudolph. Oh, okay. So with the third pick, Aaron took the number 37 player out of the top 100. Well, at least he wasn't number 99. Okay, so that puts That's me right. back up with the Browns. Danny has taken my running back, which kind of throws a wrench there. Now, I could take two quarterbacks, which I've seen proposed, which that would be the Cleveland Brown way. But uh, to me, it's down between a lot of people have been talking about Ed Rusher just because Bradley Chubb could be the next clowny. They say he might be better than Miles Garrett. Cornerback. You've got a you've got a couple good corner prospects. Offense. You did lose. You lost Joe Thomas in the offseason. All world left tackle. You've, you've got Quentin Nelson, the guard at at, at Notre Dame. I want to take him because he's a big ugly. But I did see my beloved Saints turn things around with with taking a cornerback. Do you take the 10-year starter that Joe Thomas was, or do you take someone that may fizzle? Oh, But if I can interrupt a little bit. Joe yeah, because yeah, i got to think tackle. about this. Jeff, Joe Thomas was a left tackle. It's probably one of the, if not the best, but one of the best left tackles to ever play in the NFL. He was what he played every snap of every game for almost 10 years or however long. I know this last year was the first year he ever got injured. As clean as Quentin Nelson is as a prospect, he's a guard, and the Browns are pretty set at guard. They are, but the Saints built a pro bowl, a Super Bowl contender in the early days of Drew Brees by having two all-pro guards up the middle. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out on a limb. I know Chubb is there, but they've got two. They've got Garrett and some guy's name I can't pronounce. I'm not gonna murder it, but they're two good DNs. I'm gonna go with. Um, I don't think this is a reach. I'm stuck between. 
I really am. I'm stuck between the uh, the cornerback out of um, Ohio State, and I'm stuck between him and Rokon Smith. I'm going to go with – I'm going to throw a monkey wrench. Everybody is climbing on board this train. I'm going to go Roquan Smith. Linebacker Georgia to give you took your quarterback who's the quarterback of your offense. Now you're going to take the quarterback of your defense and turn it up to the next level. So I'm going Roquan Smith, Georgia. I have no words for that. <laughs> I'm just going to move on to the Denver Broncos. Uh, there's not another option here. The 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 Broncos take the best available quarterback. Um, although I think they like Chad Kelly out of Ole Miss. They picked him up as a free agent, or they got him either a free agent or a seventh-round pick last year. And everything that I've heard is they love him. Um, he was on the scout team, but a practice squad. Um, but I still think they're going to go quarterback since everybody else is kind of going down the line. So I think they take Sam Darnold with the number five pick. But I do think that they trade out of this pick. Yes, in our mock draft, we obviously can't predict trades and what the draft capital will be. But, yes, I believe – I don't think Denver will make their, their slated pick. I don't think Indianapolis will make theirs. There's talk that even Cleveland can trade out of four. But, yes, there will probably be between four through nine, there will be some trades during the actual draft. So – so Danny took Sam Darnold by Denver with the fifth overall pick. Aaron, Indianapolis is on the clock. Yes, they are. And, Michael, they are going after Arden Key, baby. LSU edge rusher. This man is a monster. I don't care what his ranking is right there. Arden Key is going to make it in the NFL. Six foot six, 265 pounds. Arden Key is going to smash, man. He is going to be great. I, I think he played pretty lazy this year uh, at LSU. I saw him at the Mississippi State game. Really wasn't 100%. He knew he was going to have an NFL career ahead of him, and he had no incentive to injure himself. So Arden Key coming at you. Once once again, speechless, speechless by the GM of the Colts taking. Um, I'm I'm still trying to find it here. Uh, I apologize for this. I'm still looking, still looking. I think he's a day three guy. A lot of people have him going to the Saints uh, on the third in the third round, pick ninety one. Okay, it's taking me too long to find him on the top one hundred list, but I will say he's the number five edge rusher out of Mike Mayock. So, once again, Aaron Aaron going with a reach. So, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, but it's a long shot. Okay, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they need a running back because they just trade or they let Doug Baldwin go. It's too early to take Geis or Sony Michelle, even though Alvin Kamara showed us what a mobile running back can do. Teams aren't going to reach for them. I believe Tampa is going to take Denzel Ward, cornerback, out of Ohio State. He 
He compares favorably to Marshawn Lattimore, who Tampa Bay got a good look at last year twice. So I've got uh, Tampa Bay taking Marshawn – or not Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward out of Ohio State. Same cornerback as Vernon Hargraves. He's a short guy. He's not a Marcus Lattimore type guy. Lattimore's a little taller. Um, the number eight pick for the Chicago Bears. Don't want to see this, but if the draft fell this way, they would – they're going to get the steal of the draft in Quentin Nelson. So Quentin Nelson, number eight, to the Chicago Bears. I will say, if, you, if you've ever seen the movie Draft Day, Kevin Costner movie, he trades up to get the number one pick to take Bo Callahan, this all-pro, all-world quarterback. He doesn't take him, and Bo Callahan starts falling down the draft boards. I just realized that nobody has taken Bradley Chubb, who many believe could be that who could have been the number one pick in this draft. I, I just thought about it after I made my pick, but J- Danny has gone with the road grader in Chicago. So, uh, Aaron, you have the ninth overall pick with the San Francisco 49ers. Dude, does OG mean offensive guard? Yes, it does. Holy moly. Hmm. O- OL means O-line. LB means linebacker. Edge means defensive end. I know CD, some of these, okay? I've just never seen OG. Okay, so a little, little backside on this or a little insight. Reuben Foster is more than likely going to get kicked off the team if convicted of domestic abuse, so they're out of linebacker. And Roquan mm. Smith has been picked at the number four spot for. So I would maybe look at the linebackers on the top five positional rankings, and not take the fifth option. Uh, well, I'm. I don't know. I've never seen Tremaine Edmonds, and if I, you know, he's number one. Tremaine Edmonds, Virginia Tech. That's a solid. Y'all pick help me out with this one. Solid pick. Okay. All right. I feel good about it. I really do. All right, we we finally got the uh, the the San Francisco 49er GM in check. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, ninth overall pick. Oakland Raiders. They need a linebacker. The two they wanted are gone, but they've got Mac, who's an edge stand-up linebacker. They have another one too. I forget who his name is, but they have Oakland, a second one that's for good. They need a safety. You got Mika. You got Micah there. You got Derwin James. Linebackers are gone. You're not going to reach on Rashad Evans or Rasheem Evans, the the Alabama kid. There's no corner taken. There's a safety, Vita Vea, but I think that'd be a reach with the talent still on board. I think at ten, if Oakland doesn't trade this pick to someone trying to get ahead of Miami, if something hadn't crazy hadn't happened before. You're going to take one of the safeties, or since Bradley Chubb hasn't been taken, we're going to go best player available. Bradley Chubb comes off the board at number 10. Defensive end, North Carolina State. Danny has right. the Dolphins. I have 11th pick with the Miami Dolphins. and You might as well have run that card up the same time I turned mine in. This one is the easiest one in the world. They're going to take... Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma with the 11th overall selection. 
All right. Um, Aaron, I don't want to coach you too much, but Buffalo, Buffalo's starting quarterback at this time is A.J. McCarron. I don't know if you know too much, but that's not a good thing. He's a champion. He's a champion of life, Michael. Okay. He didn't. He didn't play at Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Who got beat by the Patriots? Yeah, this... champions this year. Auburn. Thank you. So, hold on. I'm just trying to make sure we're we're on the right page here. Uh, right. Allen is gone. Allen. Is Baker gone. Mayfield is gone. Baker Mayfield is and gone. And Mason Rudolph is gone. And Sam Darnold is gone. Okay. So four out of five. Oh boy. I just man, I do not I do not see Lamar Jackson being a good NFL quarterback. And that looks like it's either him or Josh Rosen that are left on the top five list. Uh I I'll officially make the pick of Josh Rosen just because I do not uh, Lamar Jackson is a dual threat quarterback. And historically, the only ones who have been great in the last five years that I know about are Cam Newton and Dak Prescott. And it's the the more the league catches on to what they do, they're not as effective. Right. So he may see early success with the Bills, but not sustained success. So I'm going to pick Lamar Jackson. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I'm picking you, you Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Josh but Rosen. I don't feel good about it. Uh, he's. I think Josh Rosen's the safest quarterback in this draft, well, in my opinion. Uh, I, Aaron, I believe it's a good pick because Buffalo just got rid of a dual-threat quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, so I think they would prefer the more pro-style quarterback. So, good pick. Um, next is the Washington Redskins. And now that we're out of the top 12, all the quarterback needy teams, all these, they're gone. Now we're going to start getting into some teams that – Maybe draft for need or, um, you know, best player available, that kind of thing. So, Washington. I don't mean to interrupt you just for one second, but I think the most quarterback needy team is Arizona at 15. They have Sam Bradford. Yeah, and they're going to walk into Lamar Jackson in our mock draft. We'll see. It's <laughs> a riverboat gambler picking them. Um. Okay, so. I need to look at my top 100 list and see what is available. Okay, so I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this. There's just too many people. There's too many people in this top 10. Too many people in this top 10 that haven't been picked. They got a strong D-line need. Okay. I think I think Vita Vea is going number number thirteen to Washington. Vita Vea D tackle Washington. He's a big. I have a question real quick. My question is: Is Cleveland the worst team in the NFL, and that's why they get two picks? One was a trade from last. One was a trade from last season. Uh, Houston traded up with. Cleveland to take Deshaun Watson. Deshaun so Watson. They traded a uh, a pick in this year's draft. That's how they got number four. But yes, they are the worst team in the NFL. That's why they're picking number one. Well, I do. Okay, so that's automatic. That right. uh, the number one pick is solely based on who All is picks. the worst team. Okay, 
So all picks are based on your record. Any ties are settled with a coin flip, but you can trade future draft picks. So if I want it, say I wanted to move up in the current draft, I could trade you next year's picks. Okay. All right. I see the Bills on here twice now too. So yes, they traded uh, with the Bengals to get a pick, and then they traded. Who did they trade with for twelve? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I can't, rem- I can't remember it off top. Oh, that was the <clears throat> Bengals pick. The Bills had a pick from somebody else from last year. No, the the Bengals traded the as the twenty first pick because I wanted to say they were they traded with they traded with somebody and switched out because they had the twenty first and twenty second pick and then they traded out and or traded up to get to the twelfth pick. The Bills mm. did. All right. Okay, so I took so last pick made was Washington Vita Vea. Danny, you have the Packers. As a Detroit Lion fan, I bet you love making all these North picks. I know. I didn't realize that that I have almost all of them except for the Vikings. Uh, Marcus Davenport, Texas San Antonio. You don't think that's a reach? No. I think he's probably the biggest upside out of all of them. In my opinion. I think he's going to be really good, and they need help on the defensive line, in my opinion. All right. Aaron, you have the Arizona Cardinals, a quarterback needy team. Mike, this is a really tough decision. Um, You know how I feel about dual threat quarterbacks. They're fantastic in the NFL. (laughs) Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, we'll put Lamar Jackson here. I, I have no idea. I, I if I had a hundred bucks right now to put it down, I just don't think he's got what it takes to be good in the NFL. Um, call call me uninformed and ignorant, and you'd be right. But that's what I'm gonna go with. I like it. I like it. I think it's a smart pick. I think um, I think it's the only one you can make. Um, Baltimore's Baltimore is on the clock. Ravens. I'm making this pick in honor of Mel Kuyper, and we're going to go with DJ Moore, wide receiver out of Maryland. I've watched the tapes. He's right up there with Calvin Ridley. I think he might even be a little bit quicker. Um, he's a local boy. Uh, always bring That'll bring fans in. If you got a toss-up between your biggest need, I know they just signed Willie Sneed, but Sneed has never really lived up to his potential here in New Orleans. So I think Baltimore is going to try and if they can't get a quarterback, which a lot of people are trying, we're we're trying to say that Baltimore <coughs> might make a splash and take a quarterback to surprise everybody. But if they can't, they need weapons because the ones they've made in the past haven't worked out. So I'm going to take DJ Moore, wide receiver, Maryland. Well, we got the Los Angeles Chargers. On the clock at pick number 17. And if I think this scenario comes out the way that it is right now, like it is on our mock draft, the Chargers will run to the podium with a card for Minka Fitzpatrick. Yes, a top five pick dropping, a top ten pick dropping all the way to number 17, yes. All right. 
All right, Aaron, you have pick number 18, Seattle Seahawks, who also have a dual-threat quarterback, which you forgot to mention earlier, Russell Wilson, the little engine that could. What Seattle? Seattle's done a lot of things during the offseason. Um, they've traded for a, def, an, a left tackle out of Houston. They've cut a lot of uh, key members off of uh, their defense. So what are they going to do? Uh, I'm going to say they go with Denzel Ward. Already taken. He, according to Mike Maylock, he is the uh, number third 15 pick. Oh, dad, going. What about Jair Alexander? Did I say his first name right? Jair Alexander. All right, that's what we're going to go with then. Oh, and he's actually higher ranked on here. uh, That's weird. He's a higher overall pick. Well, he's number 12 overall. Looking at these position groups, I have no knowledge of any of these cornerbacks, which I hate to let our listeners down, but you gave them a warning. Uh He's he's lower ranked on Mike Maylock's cornerback positional breakdown, but he's higher overall on the top 100. Right. That is baffling. I guess athletically he's versatile, more versatile. All right, I've got pick number 19, Dallas Cowboys. They've just traded, not traded. They've cut Des Bryant, so they need a deep. They need a. They need a number one wide receiver. We've still got the. Uh, we've still got Calvin Ridley available. And they need a D tackle. I've still got Deron Payne available. Heck, they could even use guard help. Still got Will Hernandez available. Hmm. Decisions. Decisions. I know Jerry Jerry Jones likes to make a splash. They're going to take Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, Alabama, to replace Des Bryant. Oh, oh, Danny Danny Pro picking picking for the Lions. Home. I wonder I wonder what Danny's going to do here. I'm actually kind of stumped right now. <laughs> With <laughs> they're still available, so I'm actually I, I, struggling. I think you got to go best available and just take Derwin James. No, they're set at safety. I honestly have Derwin James going ten to the Raiders, um, or not, or the seventh to the Bucks. But that's me. Well, personally. he's definitely going to go before number twenty. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but who? I'm gonna pick on what I think that they're gonna do rather than what I want them to do so with that being said I'm gonna go Darius Geis LSU running back hmm. he's a monster he's a man child a I think stud. that's good you know and I think that's what they're gonna do but I wouldn't be surprised if that pick was Deron Payne or Taven Bryan a defensive lineman yeah, I just think Detroit hasn't had a, a hundred-yard rusher in the last four years or something like that, and they signed Legarrette Blunt, and they still have under contract Amir Abdullah, Theo Riddick, um, the Washington that last the kid's name is Washington. Um, I, I just they're hurting for a running game to take some of the load off Stafford because um, 
Stafford's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I, I just I see it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a right. defensive tackle as well. All right, Aaron, Cincinnati Bengals. Pick oh, 21. my gosh. Okay. I know we're supposed to follow, like, sequential order, uh, and I don't think a lot of these offensive linemen have been taken yet. But look, Martinez Rankin, Martinez Rankin from State is a solid pick. Like he is, he is not highly ranked at all. He's in like he's like make Mike Maylock's. Uh, he's in the nineties, uh, and I'm sure there's some stats to back that up. Hold on, no, he's in the eighties. He's eighty five, but uh, he was like a four star coming out of high school. He played solid uh, on the offensive line his time at state i think he's gonna make a great nfl offensive lineman and state produces some nfl offensive and defensive linemen man if nothing else we do produce some of those so i'm just gonna write msu player because i don't i don't i know i won't forget that he's been picked so it's ranking right yeah i've got buffalo Buffalo traded a left tackle to get Cincinnati's pick at 12. They took a quarterback earlier. That would lead you to assume they need O-line help to pick him, to, to pick him up. But I don't think you can let Derwin James slide any farther. I would really like to take Will Hernandez here, but – I think you have to take Derwin James just to just to take the best player available in a lot of boards, maybe a top seven, top five player. So, Derwin James, pick twenty two. I like that pick. He's no pick. way, no way in in the real draft he lasts twenty two. No. Um, but I I think that's a good one. So I have the New England Patriots. <clears throat> I get the first of their two picks. And I'm going to throw a big monkey wrench in your your drafting, Mr. Michael. And we are going to go Mike McGlinchey, Notre Dame. Top tackle in this draft probably, according to everybody. People who don't know Martinez Rankin. That's right. I will say, though, Martavis Rankins was higher ranked before the combine season started. Once they started breaking down film and looking at his measurables, um, he started sliding down a little bit. So, Aaron, that leaves the Carolina Panthers. Pick 24. What are they going to do? Well, their highest need is for a wide receiver. And I'm looking on here. Uh, I see Christian Kirk and DJ Chark. They they stand out as players that I know. Calvin Ridley's already taken. Gave him to Dallas, I think. Watching both, both of these teams came to Starkville. Wait, maybe A&M, I think, was in Starkville two years ago. Uh, but I, I've seen Christian Kirk in person, and I've seen DJ Chark in person, and I'm Chark is a just a freaking monster, man. 
you throw the ball around him and he brings that ball down. So whether or not he's the fastest out there, whether or not he's as long as everybody out there, he has the aggressiveness that it takes to box out cornerbacks and bring that ball down. I, I'm it. I'm picking DJ Chark. I know we think it's early, but I've heard chatter from the ESPN draft people that they love DJ Chark. He is the third best wide receiver according to them. They think he could be a first round pick. Now they do think it's more around like the twenty nine to thirty one range, thirty two range, but hey, it's not as crazy of a pick as Mason Rudolph going number three overall. <laughs> okay, so the Tennessee Titans, edge rusher. Inside linebacker. It's down to two players here, really. Three players. It's either going to be Rasheem Evans, um, Leighton Vanderskew out of Boise State, or Deron Payne. Um, I think the Titans are going to go linebacker. Oh, you also got Harold Landry out of D out of uh, Boston College as the D end. I'm going to go Rasheem Evans, Alabama. Rashawn Evans. Rashawn Evans. Eh, whatever. He's from Alabama. I don't care. Rashawn Evans, Alabama. Uh, Danny's got the Dirty Birds. Listen, easy pick. Taven Bryan, Florida. They like really? versatile offensive or defensive linemen. Really? That's a no-brainer? Mm-hmm. Who is it again? Taven Bryan. Taven Florida. <clears throat> a lot of people think he's a day two pick. He's mocked a lot in, to the Lions at 20. Well, I've heard his, his combine interviews weren't the best, and um, he's still developing his body. So great first step, but nothing after that. All right. Um, Aaron, you've got my beloved New Orleans Saints. Please treat us gently. Oh, boy. Who that setting on beat them Saints? I'm not going to influence this pick at all. I'm going to sit back and just. They're going for a kicker here, right? Kicker, first round, Daniel Carlson. (laughs) Whatever GM Aaron makes. Dad Gummit, man. I I don't know any of these tight ends, so I'm going to go Christian Kirk, wide receiver, just because I've seen him. I don't know what else to do besides pick the people that I know. And uh, Christian Kirk, he's got this, like, elusiveness to him. I like him. I think he's a solid wide receiver. Uh, If he doesn't go to to the Panthers, he'll go to the Saints, I think. The Saints are going to pick up Charker. Well, the Saints don't have a second-round pick. They've got to get a weapon for Breeze. A lot of people think it's going to be tight end just because of what hate we've had first. lately. But I don't. I don't hate. I don't. I don't hate the pick. I mean, it's I, it's. I we think need the help. picks Hayden Hurst personally. They're going to take a tight end. I don't know which <clears throat> one, but they're going to take one. Okay, Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. Do you take a running back because? Um, why am I blanking on his name right now? Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. 
is he's going to walk probably because he's not happy with his contract, or do you play for this season and try to win it all? Hmm. They just re-signed Bud Dupree, wide receiver. They're pretty set. I think uh, I think you go with someone to get pressure up the middle. You've got some linebackers on that team. Go with Deron Payne, defensive tackle, Alabama. Interesting. Did I say that one right? Mm-hmm. Huh, Danny? Did I, did I say that one right for you? You did. I like uh, Sony Michelle that pick. I think they're going to take a running back because they're not going to pay Le'Veon what he wants. <clears throat> Although he deserves it because he's second leading receiver on the team um, and the number one running back. But 29th overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I also think this is another one they they run up the to the stage for. Uh, they're going to take Connor Williams out of Texas, offensive tackle. I think some of the guards are better than some of the offensive tackles in this draft. Yeah, but there's a huge drop-off on the offensive tackles. Okay. Aaron, you've got the Vikings. Has uh, Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame been yes. chosen yet? Number eight. Dad, gummit. Holy moly. What about Isaiah Wynn? Nope. No. All right. Isaiah Wynn. For the 30th overall pick to the Minnesota Vikings, who have a need for offensive linemen. Love Isaiah Wynn. I think that's actually what's going to happen. Isaiah Wynn could be there. I really, a lot of people are on Will Hernandez a little bit more, just from everybody I've been listening to, but Isaiah Wynn is more of a, he, he's more likely to fall this far in the draft probably than Hernandez. But, um, I've got New England. New England's second first-round pick. Um, this is where I would see Mason Rudolph going, honestly, because I think a he lot of is people a don't, Patriots you know, guy. Yeah. Either there at 31 or 22 to the Bills if they don't get – if the quarterback situation doesn't drop the way that they want it. Okay, so they just they just lost Malcolm Butler. At this point, they're going to take. Um, I'm trying to find him. It's the the cornerback out of Iowa, um, Josh, Josh Jackson. Jackson, is going to go to New England at 31 to replace Malcolm Butler. I actually like that pick there. Him or Mike Hughes? Yeah, I think Mike Hughes is actually the best corner in the draft. Um, I've heard he's got some character issues. He does. So he's initially signed with North Carolina out of high school and got in some trouble. I'm not exactly sure what happened with him, but the dude's a stud. I mean, he he really is a stud. I actually saw him mock to um, who was it? It wasn't the Saints. It was gosh, I can't remember. Maybe it was the Seahawks. Somebody. Mm. It was one of those teams that that need a corner that really were high on him. Or maybe Carolina, because Carolina needs it, but I don't know. But I have the last pick, the 32nd pick for the Super Bowl champions, Philadelphia Eagles. And this is probably the hardest pick in the draft. Um, um, Linebacker, tight end, running back, wide receiver, offensive line. 
of course, with 32, you know, being that late in the first round, you can you can play around a little bit more with it. I, I actually don't think Philadelphia is going to be making this pick. I think it'll be a trade. I think so too. Um, but since we're not doing trades, I am going to. It's either running back or tight end for me. Or actually, not a running back, linebacker or tight end for me. Um, Between Hayden Hurst and Leighton Vander Esch. Let's go. Tick tock, tick tock. Hayden Hurst out of South Carolina. All right. All right, everybody. That is the Southern Lodge mock draft. Um, we probably may with this one was probably a little bit better than our March Madness picks, but not by much. This there is going to be prizes. There were some people that fell that won't fall in the real draft. I'm not even going to let you know. We're not even going to judge this one. This one's for fun and for to let us talk. But I will. Um, it was all for fun. It was a learning experience for Aaron. Um, but now we're going to put the draft behind us. We'll see how that goes on Thursday. We're going to talk a little bit about deer hunting. It's the off season now. This is the time when hunters are getting ready for – to decide where they're going to do their hunting, are they going to they're going to join a club? They're going to do are they going to do a paid hunt? Are they going to hunt public land? Um, we're going to let Aaron take the lead on this. He's uh, he's done it all on this, so uh, we're going to let Aaron take it away and uh, talk to us about off season hunting preparation. Yeah, uh, Mike, you said it. This is the time of the year where hunters are shopping around, trying to figure out what they're going to do for next season. And uh, I've got it laid out into three options. And uh, the the three we're going to talk about, and I've got pros and cons, and you and Danny could just jump in and, and uh, tag in whatever you want. Um, but option number one is paid hunts, guided hunts. Option number two would be a private lease and this can be a private lease by yourself or with just a a couple other people uh if you get you know maybe over 10 you're probably getting in that part where you're going to have some kind of organized club and then option number three is an organized club so uh we'll just go through these one at a time talk about the pros and cons of each uh the experiences we've had with any of these uh the first one is paid hunts i don't have any actual experience paying for a hunt uh and going and doing this this includes things like uh, a guided hunt you'd book online you know uh deer hunting specifically Um, mike you and i were looking at these the other day these things range from uh, we found that place in texas that does it for like 900 dollars for a meat uh a freezer filler is what they call it that's just a dough uh maybe a couple does uh, all the way up to they had packages that were about thirty-seven fifty, I think, to well, uh, and, harvest and, a buck of your choice. And really, that's I, th- I want to say that one was more of I, I read that when we when we were looking at it. that one. It said open. It said um, free range deer, which there's not a lot of that in Texas, which surprised me. But if you go to the high fence places and look at paying, you know, to take a one eighty class deer or one seventy class deer. You're looking at like fifteen grand, and Probably then they start charging you. If you want to take, a, let's say it's a like one. Okay, and for people that don't know, 
when you shoot a buck, you measure the antlers and you determine its its score. And that's normal. It's there's a couple different measurements to take that. It's from the base of the antler on the skull to the to the longest tip, and then you start measuring some diameters, and then you measure uh, the points and whatever those lengths are, and you add all up, and that's how you determine a score. But so say on one of them it's a 170 deer and then for any inch over they may charge you an extra thousand dollars for an inch so these prices that aaron and my found were actually very reasonable when you consider some of these high fence places you can spend you could spend 15 to twenty thousand dollars to shoot one deer and maybe a couple does so i'll jump into the the pros and cons and uh if y'all have uh experience hunting any of these options that i've talked about we can we can definitely jump into that so for paid hunts here's what i have should we start with pros or cons first i'll start with cons we'll start with the negative and with the positive uh number one paid hunts can be expensive for a short period of time just like we were saying uh the, that place uh this was a texas paid hunt but i think that's pretty uh, you said it was reasonable they really go up from there you're talking about uh maybe a thousand dollars a day to get yourself in front of some whitetail deer so it can be expensive and then if you're talking about paid hunts to hunt elk or moose uh you could get up to ten thousand uh, dollars before you know it trying to get on a good guided or paid hunt the second con I have is if you strike out, that's it. If you if you go for a three or five day hunt and you don't harvest what you paid to harvest, you're coming home with a couple thousand dollars less in the bank and no food in the freezer. And the final con that I have here is not for people who like the working part. The people who like to get on the tractor, they like to pull the disc, uh, they want to pull the machete out and blaze a trail, figure out the land, make their own decisions about where they want to hunt. This is not for them. What other cons do y'all see for uh, paid um, hunts before we jump into the pros? Just off your cons list, me and Danny did do a paid hunt this past year. It was in Alabama. I would recommend that if you do do a paid hunt, you do it at a high fence place where they feed corn and they scout deer. Well, that was going to be my big thing is make also, sure you're, you're looking at who is doing what. I mean, the particular one that we went to, and we're going to leave off names, I asked the question, and how many game cameras do you have out? I mean, Mike, and you could answer this question. Um, On many, roughly 12,000 acres of land. 12,000 acres, he said there was like 30. Yeah. And I hunt with a buddy of mine, and... Well, I mean, it's 3,000 acres that we've hunted, and we don't hunt all of it, obviously. But he's got, for a single person, he's got 59 cameras out for a single person. And so he patterns deer really well. Well, this particular place that we went to, they said that they put them out before the season, then they pull them, and don't, they don't have anything to pattern deer. Right. Well, that is crappy to me because how do you know where to sit somebody if you don't know what deer are doing or what they're feeding on considering they they choose to feed on different sources at different times of the year right so i think what the con is if you're going to go to a hunting if you're going to pay to hunt there's a couple questions you need to ask before you go and that is how do you scout your deer 
How do you place? How do you determine where to place a hunter? Do you have a guarantee? I believe that place we looked at on one of their packages, it was if you didn't shoot anything, you got a sixty. Per, you got a sixty percent credit on a hunt for next year. Correct, Aaron? Right, the place in Texas. Yeah, so, that was their policy. So I would, I would almost choose those, even if it was a little more pricey. If they offered me a uh, a credit on a next year hunt, if even it, because then if you don't kill something, at least you're not completely out you can pay just a little bit more and go back next year if you like the place so you want to you want to see how they're scouting deer how they're placing hunters what their success rate is and if there is a not maybe not a guarantee but a refund if you don't shoot anything Uh, and i'll chime in on that a little bit I would kind of do some research on the particular state on uh, right. when their typical deer movement is. I know Alabama is usually a little earlier in the season um, <clears throat> because they typically have the acorns on the ground still, and it's a little natural food source. I, I think I'm the only one that's hunted Texas. Um, Texas is a little different, I mean, because it does feed. I think I've seen a buck every time I've ever gone out there, and I've hunted a good bit out there. Um well, you know, Texas is a big state, but I was doing a little research today on another topic. And, uh, you know, Texas is the second biggest state in the union. Um, but they they have an estimated deer population of 4 million, which is the biggest in the country. So you're, you're probably going to have a little more success rate in Texas. Well, and it's also about where you're at, too. The hill country in Texas is a very big hot spot for deer um so if you guys are looking at particular paid hunts right in texas i would definitely look at the the hill country so it's typically austin and west um go up a little bit i know i've personally hunted brady um i've hunted west of san antonio um i know down towards mexico unbelievable deer probably the biggest deer in the state so but i think what me and danny are both saying is do your research Right, and you won't get burned yeah. as bad. See what they, um, in yeah. Texas. See what you see what they're feeding. Because um, yeah. a lot of them will protein. Man. They'll protein feed. Okay, so pros. And for the next one, I'll do pros and cons, and then get y'all's input, and that'll speed it up a little bit. But uh, for pros for paid hunt, no commitment. You pay the money. You show up. You get oftentimes great lodging, great food. You you are just going to enjoy the hunt. That's it. You don't have to do the work. You are you are there to to enjoy yourself. It is a vacation. Uh, the second thing, generally speaking, you've got a great chance to kill something. Uh, these places that run these guided hunts do not uh, do not just let anybody shoot anything anytime. Uh, they they are uh, the place in Texas. As far as they could get for guaranteeing, they said you'd see about 12 to 20 deer a day. Um, another thing, and this is probably my favorite thing about it, if you do pay, paid hunts, you could change target species every year. Let's say you budget, I mean, right now I currently spend about sixteen to $1,700 a year on uh, supplies, dues, gas to go hunt at an organized club, but paid hunts... You could do white-tailed deer one year, the next year hunt elk, the next year hunt moose, the next year hunt black bear. 
the price would probably be higher. You wouldn't be able to pay $1,700 to hunt all of those things. But you could, if you budgeted your, your uh, hunting money, you could hunt a different species every year. Uh, that's all I've got for pros. Do you want me to jump into the next one, or do you have anything to add to that? Um, I think your pros are pretty spot on, except for your second one, which we are pretty much guaranteed to see something. That is solely based on who the outfitter is and like Danny was kind of saying with the cons, Texas is going to be a little bit easier than Alabama because you can feed more high fence, but that's why Texas is generally a little more expensive than the other states uh, in the southeast. Now, when you get up to like Wisconsin or Iowa, you know some of the, some of these city, some of these states that have farmland where they just grow big deer because they have a lot to eat, then prices can go back up. But but generally, yeah. Um, and I've only done one paid hunt, but the lodging was, for what we paid, it was nice. Uh, the food was excellent. Uh, the people were friendly. We just didn't see any deer, which right. automatically downgrades any experience on a hunting trip. So, Texas hunting's fun. I mean, it's it's definitely a different style of hunting. You sh- you hunt in a lot of what I like to call shooting houses. They call them blinds. Um, and the feeders typically go off on, uh, you know, whenever you want to set them. And you'll usually see stuff a little bit before and a little bit after. And right. After that, you don't really see a lot. Um, and in high fence, you're 100% guaranteed you're going to shoot something. Right. As long as you want to spend the money because that's essentially raising deer. Um, and, you know, this deer... Man, I can't even. The, the genetics on those high fence deer are usually fantastic. You know, you're going to get a good typical deer usually. Um, body size in Texas isn't going to be as good as it is everywhere else because they don't have natural food. So only get fed at certain times of the day. Right. Uh, Aaron, what was your uh, what was the next uh, outlet for hunting option for hunting? Option number two is a private lease, uh, and this can be alone or with just a few friends. Mike, you and I uh, leased 250 acres right here in South Mississippi a couple years ago. And uh, before I get into the pros and cons, you can't match how much fun that was uh, no. just being with friends, uh, family. Uh, you, you know everybody that's hunting there. Your parents came and hunted uh you know it it was a good time even though it wasn't the highest quality of hunting um so the the pro i'll do the cons and pros and then let y'all uh give your input the cons are uh number one that's a lot of responsibility for the work part you've got to handle uh getting the food plots ready you've got to keep the trails trimmed and uh, you and i had 250 acres but it was you and me and that was pretty much it doing the work. Uh, the second one is we had to deal with the landowner directly, you and I. And uh, there was a day you were hunting opening season and uh, or opening day of the season, and they came in uh, with a was it a helicopter and a truck? I mean, it was it was crazy. You're trying to hunt, and all this noise is going on in in the middle of the opening day. The third thing. And, 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 you know, some private leases, I guess you can balance that out. But the third thing that I've got for a con 
is you've got the expense of equipment. You've got to handle the tractor, the bush hog, the disc, uh, shooting houses. Everything is going to come out of your pocket and the few people that you work with on that lease. I'll jump to pros. You have full reign over the land. You, you have, uh, and this kind of goes in with the second one, you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. There were a couple mornings you and I went hunting and still hunting, didn't see a thing. So we went out over that 40-acre cutover and did a man drive. Uh, if you're on a paid hunt or uh, an organized club, most of the time that's against the rules because it's not safe with that many people hunting. You can't just get out there and, and drive across 40 acres uh, pushing deer and you know, making all that noise. You're going to disturb others. And honestly, some people just are against that uh, for whatever reason. They think it disturbs the, the area. So, But when you have a private lease, heck, I, I mean – I'm not saying we did anything illegal, but there were some things that other people might not be comfortable with for how they hunt. And, uh, yeah, yeah. y'all are funny. Y'all are funny. We didn't do anything illegal, but there were things that other people might not have been comfortable with doing, uh, doing, uh, you know, on a regular hunting basis that you and I got to do. Right. All right. So what do y'all think about private leases? I'll I'll jump in first. Since Um, I've actually leased land and Danny hasn't. um, you got to watch out for neighbors' cattle. Right. Um, Um, And uh, speaking of that, um, when Aaron, as Aaron was talking about, we got to go out there and do some man drives. We didn't realize exactly how close one of the neighbors was. And on one morning, Aaron was driving and we spooked the deer. Uh, I have a semi-automatic Remington hunting rifle, so I'm able to pop off around as quick as I want. And I fired four quick rounds at this deer, and luckily I put him down. It was a nice eight point, good deer for the area. Well, uh, about five minutes after I quit shooting, Aaron finally got to the deer. And just as I was getting back with the four-wheeler to load him up, our neighbor decides to come busting out onto our property and yelling at us because he thought we were doing something illegal. So, yes, uh, Con can be dealing with neighbors. And Aaron, luckily, was very level-headed because I was in complete shock at a man just walking out the edge of the woods yelling at me after I just killed this eight-point. But Aaron calmly just told him that we legally leased the land and told him who the owner was and how he could get in contact with him. So uh, that is one thing you have to worry about with a lease. Um uh to me the pros outweigh the cons on a lease if you balance it correctly the pros of running your own land with your friends there's nothing better than that the problem is when you start getting too many people involved that's when it becomes a problem aaron right now is in a 36 man club which to me is just ridiculous once you get above eight people because once you get above that number you don't know you really it's trouble it's troubling to know everybody now yes 36 people lets them lease more land have more land for club stands for planting but i don't think aaron could name everybody that's in his club can you well all right and that brings us to option number three which is an organized club, which I 
when 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 we were okay so i've done a couple of these things i've never done a paid hunt but i've done private lease and organized club and i hunted a club here in south mississippi before mike and i leased the 250 that we leased and it was about 1100 acres 13 members and it was ran like a monocracy which i had to do a little bit of research on uh government types to make sure that i got these right but it wasn't like it, it wasn't like specifically a dictatorship or mono, uh, monarchy, but it was a monocracy. There was one old man, and he made all the choices for what happened on that 1,100 acres. Who got what stands, what the limits were going to be, the guest policy, and it was just a frustrating two years that I hunted in there. Uh, we we were only allowed one doe a year, and I took my doe plus got another one one time plus let abram shoot one one time uh i don't think mike ever got one out of there but i took mike hunting one time the 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 policies changed as the wind blew and it was just frustrating uh the the organized club i'm in now is 36 members but it's very organized and when when Mike and I were just hunting in the in that small club, uh, and he came with me, he told me, "Man, you need to get in a bigger club. You're gonna like it." And I said, "Mike, I don't want to be a part of a grown man fraternity." Well, now I'm in this 36 man club, and I don't know all 36 members, but I do know about 25 of them because 25 of them hunt regularly, and it is kind of nice. They're good people. Uh, I've lucked up and gotten into a place where the the land is pretty, and I do see deer a good bit of the time. Now I haven't killed a trophy buck, but uh, let's get into the pros and cons of, of okay. organized just, just clubs. Just before you start on that, just before you start on that, if you could hunt half the acreage, would you be happier with an eight man club hunting half the acreage than what you have now, eight to ten man people? So we have we have forty six hundred acres. That'd be twenty three hundred okay. acres with eight people. Ten. We could say ten. You would I need can, more than ten. I can make I, ten people work. It depends on where it's at. Twenty three hundred acres, money wise, would you definitely need more than ten? Yes, it would. Right now, right now, I'm in a club that's it's in kind of like north central Mississippi. Uh, it's very rural around there. Our neighbors do not bother us. We actually border a 10,000-acre dog hunting club, which you would think would be an issue, but it's rarely an issue. They, the, that club is just as old as the club I've been in. Um, okay. And I think that's got another thing to do with when you pick organized clubs, find out how long they've been around. If they've been around for 30-plus years, it's a solid thing to, to look into that that club so let's get into the pros and cons though here's the cons of an organized club uh you have to share with others mike you do have to you have to be kind and you do have to uh take into consideration the feelings of other people and their opinions people person which which at times does cause friction uh you know sharing with others sharing decision making with others last year we voted to allow supplemental feeding uh and actually baiting in Mississippi made it made it legal, and our club up until that point had honored the Mississippi law, and that was the first time I killed a buck. I joined this club, didn't feed any corn. I saw three shooter bucks that first year, and being an amateur hunter, sucked it up and missed one of them. 
Uh, I killed one that was legal, but he wasn't very much past legal, if you know what I mean. He was legal, though. We had a man named Bubba measure it, so you know that it's reliable. Um, but you do have to share. Now, part of that, uh, the sharing, what I'm talking about is, like, we have club stands, and a lot of these organized clubs have club stands, and that means first come, first serve. You sign it out in the logbook, and it's yours for that day. Uh, we have roughly 50 club stands over 4,600 acres, and then each of us gets two primary stands that only we or our guests hunt. Um, the next con is you don't have as much freedom. There's There was a day Mike and I were hunting this cutover, uh, probably 20, maybe 40 acres, I don't know. Mike and I, were, we were, one of us was on the east side, one was on the west side. And uh, when we finished hunting, it was very tempting to get down and man-drive that, but we couldn't because there was a club rule against it. So you don't get the freedom that you get on a private lease like we had here in South Mississippi, and we're able to do that man-drive and kill that good eight-point. Mike, did you ever score that eight-point? I did not, but I would say it's probably around like 120, probably, 115, 120. I, never, I, never, I haven't yeah, scored he, it yet. He's pretty modest. For South Mississippi, it was a monster. You don't kill many like that. Uh, It it was an old deer. All right, and now to the pros. On an organized club, you can share equipment. I don't have to own a tractor. I know three guys at least that will let me borrow their tractor to do the work that I need to do on my primary stands. All the club stands get taken care of during work days. Plus, there's a few guys that live on the club and take care of the work. The second thing is the man fraternity deal, which I didn't think I would like, but I do like. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I've that I've become friends with. I can call them, text them if I need something, and, and they answer. So it's pretty nice. The third thing is there's structure for decision-making. In an organized club, it's not just up to one old man to decide who gets what, what stand. It's not just up to one old man as to how many does or bucks we're going to kill in a given year. It's not up to one old man as to what size the antlers are going to have to be to shoot that deer. Uh And the last thing is you get access to more land than what is generally affordable through private leases. Uh, Mike and I leased 250 acres. That's about $1,000 a year. Uh, We split that. Uh, I pay $1,100 to be a part of an organized club, and I have access to 4,600 acres. Those private, uh, private stands are spread throughout the club just like the club stands are. I have access to easily 3,000 out of that 4,600 acres. So what are y'all's thoughts about organized clubs? Danny, do you have anything on this? I mean, I guess my cons would be 36 people. I think that would be the same thing as Mike. It's a lot of people to hunt, but you're talking 4,600 acres. That's a lot of land. Um, A lot of land that, I mean... I guess I it would determine or depend on how many guys typically hunt at a time. Um, you know what? How many people are out there? Where are they placing? I mean, you obviously don't want to butt up right next to somebody, but you you know I, I think I would actually be very interested in that club because I mean it's a lot of land for you know something like that to get out there with that many people. Um. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really have any cons. I mean, or pros to it. Um, yeah, I, I've never hunted in a big organized club. I've hunted private land that buddies own or 
lease on their own, and that's about it. All right. So Aaron is right. The pros on an organized club and a private lease and an organized club can kind of be the same thing. I know we had a private lease. It was just the two of us and uh, some guests. But, uh, you know, a tin pan club where it's all your friends, that can be organized and a private lease. But your cons really are what weigh on me the feelings of other people that's also a trust factor i know there were several times you and i have been hunting at your club and we've heard gunshots that were very close to where people were hunting and then they come back and say oh we didn't see nothing no that wasn't us now you know what's you know which direction the gunshot came from are they lying to you did they miss something or did they shoot something and they just don't want to tell you then also the freedom it's like you said Sometimes you ain't going to see a deer sitting in. You want to get out there and you want to explore a little bit. And sometimes you can't. Me, I'm all about setting up a club with people you know. As small a number as you can for the most land that you can. You and your friend. It's people you know. It's not going to be these wild, crazy rules that, you know, you get into a club and you didn't make half of them. If you get into a club with people you know, you're, you're already friends with them. You're going to have the same ideas on what you want to do in your hunting camp. So, um, to me, it's probably, I like I like the private lease best. Now, with my work schedule right now, the paid hunt is what I have to do because I just don't have time to take. I, I, if, if, I, if I hunt, I want to spend be able to spend two to three weeks in the woods, and I just can't do that anymore. So, paid hunt's where I'm at. I'm actually trying. I've got to start researching for my hunts next year. But Aaron has talked about these three different kind of clubs, and he kind of touched on it. And we actually had problems with this in our South Mississippi little private lease that we had. And I just want to get y'all's thoughts on this real quick. This will be our final thoughts of the show. Dog hunting. It is legal in Mississippi, and I I didn't know this, so I did a little research. Can y'all guess how many states it is legal to dog hunt deer? in the country probably very few just throw a number out five. i'm gonna give i'm gonna go five i would have said five okay danny i said five okay it is actually 11 um and an inter- interesting tidbit california and hawaii there are no whitetail but you can dog hunt but there's no whitetail in those two states the other states are alabama arkansas florida Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. To me, dog hunting is something that should be... It used to be legal in Texas until 1990. They outlawed it because of complaints. To me, dog hunting is antiquated. It's cruel. It's unusual. It's... And for people that don't know what dog hunting is, most of the time it's dog hunters. It's big club. They lease up thousands of acres of land. And what they do is they have dogs that they train to chase deer. And they have one line of men normally set up on a highway, which is illegal, and they have these crossing points. And the, the some men will take their dogs in trucks and drop them off, and they will run them across the land and try to spook deer past the shooting line. Now, in Mississippi, you can't shoot a deer a buck unless its antlers are 12 inches wide, 10 inches wide in some areas, 12 in the other, or the main beam is, I want to say, 14 inches. Uh, 
Now, a deer can run at over 20 miles an hour. You're going to tell me that a dog hunter can guesstimate what the antler spread is on a deer as it's running by him. I really think dog hunting should be illegal. No one should be able to do it. What are y'all's thoughts? And like I mentioned before, uh, me and Aaron as still hunters that don't dog hunt, if you get next to a club that does do dog hunting, them dogs don't recognize boundaries. So they can actually come onto your land and screw up your hunt that you were paying hard money for. So that's why I think it should be illegal. What are y'all's thoughts? I'm not a big dog hunter. I mean, I've never... Uh, I've never even had the slightest interest in it. Um, I've never been involved with anything that dog they dog hunt. Um, so for me, I, I guess I'd be pretty against it myself. Well, you know that day, Mike, uh, I don't think you were out there. It was me and Abram on that 250 here in South Mississippi. I had just climbed up into the stand. I, uh, I was hunting a 40-acre cutover, and I could see with binoculars, I could see the entire thing. And I uh, started scanning, scanning, and uh, I saw this guy standing on top of the, the ridge. I run over it. Like, I climbed down huffing and puffing, and I moved fast towards him, and I'm ready to chew his butt out. And uh, he's like, oh, no, man, I'm with a logging company. We're supposed to come out here tomorrow and spray this land yada 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 the next day i hunt the next morning and dogs run right across that cut over i'm confident because i talked to the the landowner he told us that he did not plan on doing any work out there i am confident that that was a dog hunter who was making up a story to run dogs across that that uh cut over the very next day we sat out there i hunted dogs ran right across me they ran a doe in front of me i had a chance to shoot her i should have it was private land you know i, I should have took the chance and shot her caught the dog and had a real butt chewing with that dude but i didn't even despite that that's south mississippi i think that what you need to have with dog hunting is ethics and i think you need to have a large amount of land ten thousand acres with a buffer zone to catch those dogs before they cross uh, cross boundaries. That being said, what's happening in Mississippi right now is not that. There's a lot of dog hunters who are unethical, and it affects other hunters. There's a lot of still hunters who are unethical as well, but it does not affect other hunters like dog hunting does. So I, I think dog hunting needs to be regulated or done away with. I do. Right. You're a better man than I am. I would have... Uh put a 300 wind mag in that dog well it's not the dog i can't shoot a dog hunters, but um I, I i do have one other thing that i wanted to discuss with aaron i know i've talked with you a little bit about it mike dude i have like i don't know how as a, like a public land management area up here by me that i've talked to a few people that have had extremely good luck in one there's two different spots. There's one in Talladega, and there's one called Skyline, which borders Tennessee. The Skyline place, I think, is a little bit more hilly. I'm actually planning on buying a few cheap game cameras and setting, like going out there and scouting it and setting them in places that I feel are beneficial and you know could harvest success. Um, see if you're interested in it. Because I've been trying to get Mike out there, but Mike's not the most... 
Well, Aaron's guy the public land. Through. Aaron's the guy that's done public land hunting more than I have. I just want to give it a shot. Yeah, public I, land. I know, I know we're all big meat eater fans, and I downloaded the Onyx app and started looking a little bit more in detail on the logistics of that and to see exactly where the you know the lines are and where you can go and how you can do things and it, the way that they talk the public land i know steve vanilla is really big on doing that because technically we you know we all pay taxes and we are are all public land owners right and you know trying to get into that a little bit more it's been something i've been really interested in and mainly because i'm i'm really getting interested in in elk hunting and wanting to go west and do a public land elk hunt and you know i figured you know mike and i were looking for land to lease privately we haven't had the luck in the world and i'm within an hour of two huge public land areas it's something that why not take advantage of it and go out when i want to and see what happens yeah, public land. I hunt right here in South Mississippi, uh, several areas. The Pascagoula River management area is expansive. Uh, I I have seen deer. I would say my success rate for seeing deer on public land is actually pretty high, but not shootable deer. Uh, the the public manage uh, the managed management land near me has regulations that are pretty strict so i see i've seen does every time i've went out just about but you can't shoot them right now um i I think public land is an option that i didn't talk about but probably we should have it's uh there's a risk for safety on on public land you don't know where everybody's at i went turkey hunting a couple weeks ago on public land and uh there was a truck parked on the trail i wanted to hunt so i started hunting near there and he started shooting. I was like, I'm way too close to him. I got to go. Um, and, and, you know, public land is kind of the same thing as with an organized club. You get a lot of people. Uh, your your hunting strategies may not match those around you, and their strategies may deter your ability to see success. Uh, you know, if somebody that hunts public land doesn't believe in scent control and they go walking all through your area, they spread all this scent that's going to scare mature bucks away. Uh, same thing on an organized club. You know, you might share a club stand. Uh, I know Mike and I, that cutover I was just talking about on my, my organized club, uh, we hunted that, that cutover. I know that uh, someone hunted that area that doesn't believe in scent control. They walked all the way in there. They parked their four-wheeler forever away because they're scared of the sound that the four-wheeler makes. But then they leave a mile-long scent trail leading through the woods. Mature bucks are going to catch that scent trail and run away. Same thing on public land. Uh, I'm okay with public land as long as it's well scouted and, uh, you know, you, you know what you're going into that Onyx app, I'm sure is great for that. I haven't checked it out yet. You can get a free seven day trial on it. Um, so it's worth it, but maybe we'll talk about that on the next show a little bit more into it. Yeah. The public um, land issue. Um, but Aaron, I'll talk to you a little bit more about it in our private time. Yeah. So sounds good. We're going to go ahead and close it up now. Um, just to recap on this one, we did our draft. We did our hunting. Next episode, we we'll, may talk a little bit more about public hunting. We may talk a little bit about some dream trips we want to make into the western lands to shoot the big rack elk. Um, I also think on next time we're going to do we've, – we've done some big discussions. Um, 
we're gonna we're gonna have a little fun on the next draft. I think we're gonna do we're each gonna put together our own list of sports movies, and then we're gonna bash each other for who's got the uh, wackiest picks for you know golf, soccer, all the extreme sports. So, uh, from all us here at the Southern Lodge, thanks for coming. We'll see y'all next time. Clear eyes, full heart, and lose. Yes, I, I got that.